what about one thing I'm, I, I think another thing that really interests me uh, when I try to diversify in like different cultures is is just the food diversification hey. what what was the food hitting for the, the, hey so she my mom grew up like meat and potatoes girl like she didn't eat yeah. my mom always tells me that on their second date my dad made her this feast of yeah. like Arabic food man like all, all the all the greatest hits and my mom saw it was like I can't do this this is <laughs> she was like where's my burger and potato like yeah. my mom didn't know but dude fast forward years my mom's cooking all this stuff top of the line I mean my mom's an amazing cook dude yeah like, she cooks all the Arabic food Let's go. We're live. Another episode of Adversity Kings. Uh, we got special guest today, Zed. Zaid. Zaid. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say I was like, I know it was a lot. Zai. I was gonna be like, maybe it's Zaid or something. Yeah. But but when you you got on and I was like, I was listening, you know, and doing a little bit of research. It's like, all right, this lady definitely just said like Zed. So it's Zaid. It's Zaid. Yeah. Okay, like awesome. like paid. Paid. Yeah. Get paid Zaid. Get paid Zaid. Hopefully someday, yeah. bro. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, the goal. goal. Yeah. That's the goal. So, uh, dope, dude. So, I think I came across your page. I recently had a stand-up comedian on, and I was like, this is one of the best podcasts I've ever done, one of the best experiences I've ever had. I love comedy. There's not much I do outside of work, outside of movies, and then I'm, I, I love comedy. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I love to laugh. So, I know my, one of my favorites is, is Joe Rogan, who I know I saw another guy live, too. Uh, he used to perform with uh, Larry the Cable Guy. So, he's an older dude. I got a picture with him. Is you know what I mean? Like, Tony Hinch. Tony Hinchcliffe, maybe? No, no, no. This is an older dude. Okay. I've seen Tony. Have I seen Tony Hinchcliffe? I think I saw Tony because he. I think he was on tour with Joe Rogan. So I actually oh, really? saw Tony and uh, the the one girl with like the like lispy voice. Like she's got like uh, like a like a Kermit the Frog voice. Oh, is and that she makes jokes Michelle about Wolf? it? It it might be. Blonde she got like girl, red curly hair. Lost oh. a bunch of weight, mm. and she like makes fun of her voice. Damn. She like definitely implies it being Kermit the Frog, but absolutely love comedy and I was checking out your shit and everything like that. And I was like, this is dope. You know what I mean? Let me see if this, this guy will get on. So hell yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. We had a little bit of a side conversation before getting on, but I, I wanted to open up with where are you from? So I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. Well, how, where's that relation to like Youngstown? Uh, that's like three hours South of Youngstown. It's like just North of Cincinnati. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's like our claim to fame. So, is that we're almost Cincinnati. Yeah, you're almost Cincinnati. How how was that with Burroughs going to the Hey Super man? I, cool? I'm a little I'm still a little heartbroken, I'm not gonna lie. That was a. I actually flew back to Dayton just to watch the Super Bowl with my family because it was Damn. huge. Um no, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. So what brought you to Chicago? Work. So uh I got a job out here. I went to school in Indiana and then I got a job out in Chicago. I just keep moving west. Where'd you go to school in Indiana? Indiana University, down Indiana. in Bloomington. Now, is that the Hoosiers? We are we are the Hoosiers. I didn't know what a Hoosier was when I joined, man. What is a Hoosier? I, it's just somebody from Indiana. It's the lamest okay. mascot okay. I've ever seen. It's just a dude from Indiana. That's our that's our mascot. That's crazy. That's why we suck at sports. Dude, that, well, the the reason uh, I know it's the Hoosiers is because I played with this like small Christian basketball team, and they were obsessed with the Hoosiers. Uh, and they liked Victor Oladipo. He okay. went there, and so, yeah, like, yeah, we would yeah. always like. We would like study or reference the Hoosiers. I don't know if you guys were good at basketball way back in the day or something. Way but back like, in the day, we were pretty good. Yeah. And then as soon as I, I don't know if I was the bad luck charm, but as soon as I got there, we were just terrible. Done. It was absolutely terrible. Now, do you play sports in college? I did not play sports in college. I okay. try. I try to play basketball a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm not great. I I lift a lot. That's like my yeah. my pastime. Yeah. That's what I like to do. Um, you, where do you lift at? Do you lift around here at all? Uh, in the city, I go to FFC. FFC. Yeah. How, what's that like in relation to? I go to Lifetime, so I don't know if like is it similar? Is it like a franchise? Is it just like a? Yeah, it's like a local Chicago franchise. I'd say it's like one step down from Lifetime. Yeah, they got I can't afford Lifetime yet, but I'm, we're working on it. They got like a sauna and shit. Though. They got a sauna, dude. That's, that's all I'm, you need. Yeah, exactly. That's what that, that feels like luxury, man. You just yeah. sit there, sweat with a bunch of naked guys, and you're yeah. like, this is, yeah, this yeah, is, this is not nice. a luxury. This is nice. <laughs> Dope. So, um, you know, you, you get over here, but before getting over here and getting into working and, and comedy and everything like that, I kind of like to know, like, what, what growing up was for individuals when I get them on. is like, what was growing up for you like? You know what I mean? Yeah. Es especially because you kind of got into it a little bit uh, from the things that I was studying and just, like, the cultural difference. of. Yeah. So now you're half Arab and half white. Right? Yeah, so my my dad's uh, originally born and raised in Damascus, Syria. Okay, and then my mom's born and raised in New Jersey. Okay, so just an interesting combination there. Yeah, um, but how they meet? 
so they met on a blind date in Dayton, Ohio. Like I think my mom's boss set them up. I yeah. Like, the story always changes when I I don't know why, but they they met on a blind date and got married five weeks later. Dope. Yeah, I used to think it was true love, but I'm too old for that shit now. I yeah, just, something was up. I don't yeah, know what happened. Yeah, what the hell happened here? <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. So raised, you know, with a with a white mom, Arab dad, but really only raised like as part of the Arab culture. Yeah, I was never close to my mom's side of the family. I don't know my mom's side of the family. Okay. They kind of disowned her a little bit when she married my dad. My mom converted to to Islam from yeah. there, so I was raised Muslim, raised Arab. Um, and I was I was raised in like a predominantly very white neighborhood, yeah, uh, in Centerville, Ohio. Yeah. So being half white, I was often the most diverse person in my class, which is crazy. Like, uh, but um, yeah, man, it was it was it was an interesting upbringing because it's like I was the diversity, and it was a very kind of Republican upper middle class area yeah. where I grew up at, and so a lot of bullying, a lot of just stuck up people, um, you know. I was always kind of like the other, right? Being being Arab, I was kind of the other growing yeah. up. So, so with that, now did did she convert when they got married, or was she already? So she was actually Christian when they got married, and then like three years into the marriage is when she converted. Oh, so he was cool, but he was like cool. He was like, oh, I'm cool. I yeah. love you as you. Are. Now I always wonder that because I'll see like like a like a cute girl and she'll yeah. have she'll have like and i'm like ah oh, no nah, she's not allowed I'm, you know what i mean I'm, <laughs> i don't have one of them <laughs> hey, she's man. not allowed to talk to now so so like what i'm asking though is like so like if i was a uh you know an arabian household could would it be like allowed would i be allowed to let my son go out and marry a non-arabian like did I his mean, parents give him any issues be like no you can't marry her so my dad's whole family was in syria at this point okay like his mom had passed away wow and he came to this country by himself and so he kind of had free reign and i got to be careful how i say this because i don't want it 10 years to come back and get canceled in 10 years for, <laughs> for yeah. saying the wrong thing here but i think my dad didn't really care i think my mom my mom's a very special woman my mom has a very good heart yeah. If, you, if you can read people, you can read that right away. Yeah. And I think my dad knew what he had when he met her. Yeah. And he ha he had to know. And so my my dad's family is very conservative Muslim in Syria. Yeah. But my dad's dad is was just a very understanding guy, and he knew how to read people. So he accepted my mom right away. Wow. And then nobody could say anything. Yeah. If if my grandfather accepted it, it's done. My my mom's part of the family. Now and and this is this. This might just come up as basically just a racist ass question. But it's okay. I'm half black, so we're allowed. <laughs> um, but but so like with uh, is it a is it a Punjabi or what what is it? A hijab. Uh, yeah. What's a? Is, did I say like a racist yeah, word? You, I mean, it's it, you're referring to like a completely different group of people. But I I picked okay. up what you're putting down. Punjabi yeah. is like a sect of like uh, Pakistani Indian culture. Okay. And then it's like one of the I'm just glad cultures within like there. A Middle Eastern. I was like saying, I was like, you don't even know what you're saying. No, it's all good. So it's a, it's a hijab. <laughs> that, that's the hair cover. My mom actually, when she converted, she put it on. And what's then, the What's the purpose of of? Yeah. So it's it's for modesty reasons okay. right and there's a there's a big debate in the in the religion whether or not it's required or not yeah i'm in the belief that it's not required yeah right? i believe that the quran preaches of modesty for women and men um and that the hijab is one way to do that and some yep. women feel closer to god to do that so all power to you yep. my mom wore it for years and then took it off after 9-11 yeah because we she was targeted several times one time with me in the car yeah and there was like one time with some some dude in a truck tried to run us off the road oh my god and tried to insane. kill us yeah it's crazy and my mom was like look like for my family's sake like it's not worth being targeted it's not worth being having a target on my back for yeah. my kids you know and so it was one of the hardest decisions of her life to take off the hijab but she did it and she did it because she felt hey i could still be a devout muslim yeah um but i don't need to put a target on my back for my kids yeah what about one thing? I'm, I, I think another thing that really interests me uh, when I try to diversify in like different cultures is is just the food diversification. Hey. What what was the food hitting for? The, the, hey, so she. My mom grew up like meat and potatoes girl. Like she didn't eat. Yeah. My mom always tells me that on their second date, my dad made her this feast of yeah. like Arabic food, man. Like all all the all the greatest hits. And my mom saw it was like, I can't do this. This is, she was like, where's my burger and potato? Like yeah. my mom didn't know. But dude, fast forward years, my mom's cooking all this stuff. Top of the line. I mean, my mom's an amazing cook, dude. Yeah. Like, she cooks all the Arabic food, um, completely adopted the culture, completely embraced the culture. She taught me how to make a lot of that food too. Um, so the food is, man, the food's good. If you, I mean, you, you're out here in Lombard. There's, there's some good stuff I think stuff there's some here. good, I order and I honestly don't know. I, 
because I, I I eat pretty really clean, but like sometimes if I want like to switch up the chicken and rice, yeah. I order from this place and I'm gonna pull it up just to hey, do it. Let's let's give us a free advertising and, here and look at it and say what what is this? Because I'm always wondering. I'm like, this is definitely not American, but what it's it? fire. Do you get like shawarma and stuff? I think I think that's what it is. I've had there's like a shawarma express or something around here, and I've had that shawarma. I haven't even heard that one though. I know a few good places in the like in, in Chicago. Proper. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I bet in Chicago, yeah, there's probably some like crazy. You go down to Bridgeview, Bridgeview, bro, Bridgeview, Little Palestine. That's where all the Arabs, all the Arabs in Chicago went to Bridgeview. Bridgeview? It was like, this is good. Like, if you drive ten more minutes, you can go to Chicago. Like, no, no, this is good. <laughs> they just stopped. So here it is. It's pita pita. It says Mediterranean, so I don't know. Maybe, man. That's oh, this might be Greek. Oh, see, they the Greeks just be stealing our shit, bro. They just I like, swear, dude. It's chick. They do. They bring chicken shawarma. That's bro. That's not their shit. That's our shit. That's I like, was wondering. I was like, stick this with is your gyro, Greek. whatever that yeah. is, bro. Let <laughs> us have our sh- bro. The, everyone's trying to take our shit, bro. Greece, I, Israel. What's going on, bro? Let's I get the shawarma. <laughs> I'm like, this is phenomenal. I was like, this is this doesn't give me a comes Greek with that vibe, feel, bro. What yeah, is dude. Nah, I'm man, like, that's not us, bro. I'm looking. I'm like. That's not us. We got the garlic sauce. We don't got that tzatziki stuff, bro. Oh, uh, okay. So all due respect to the Greek culture, you stole yes. our shit. Let's be let's, let's call a spade a spade, you know. And I was like, this it, it, as I as I'm reading Greek, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense at all because it definitely aligns with like. Um, I think I think the uh, I guess another way I'm, most individuals probably think of like Middle East, uh, the, the the Middle East would be like Dubai. You know what I mean? Of like yeah, which is crazy. Cause the like, first place we bro, go Dubai to like, twenty years ago was like a, just the desert, bro. Whole, there was yeah. nothing there, man. And then they got the oil money. They they blew it up. But honestly, that frustrates me a little bit because it's like people think of that, but the the Dubai culture is very modern, very recent culture. You know, people don't being from Syria, you know, we, we're such rich in history yeah. in Syria. Like Damascus was the capital of the Islamic Empire for years. Yeah. Right. We have like rich, rich history there. But, you know, we didn't hit the oil jackpot and, you know, raise these buildings. And so people don't talk about Syria as much or they don't talk about Palestine as much. They don't talk about Jordan as much. It's when you think of like Arab culture, you think of these Saudi rich princes who oftentimes capitalize on the backs of the other countries around them. Yeah, just um, draining them. Yeah, draining them. And, and, you know, citizenship's a weird thing in the Middle East. And so if, like, during Syria, like, when the, there was the war hit Syria, right, a lot of people fled. Mm-hmm. And they went to Dubai, and they would just get, you know, paid pennies on the dollar for, for their labor and for their work. Yeah, I heard they can be pretty strict in Dubai. Yeah, man. I mean, basically, like, that, that city was built by glorified slaves, you know, yeah. like, and, but we, we don't talk about that. You know, they put in a subway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's clean. You know, they have a Chipotle in Dubai. Let's keep it, you know, how close is Syria to like, in relation to like Israel and it's, Palestine? It's along that same, it's part of the Levant it, over there. The, cause I barely know is, is like the little war or whatever was occurring in regard to the oppression on the Palestinians, right? Palestinians, yeah. Is it's that pretty, still it, going on? Oh, it's it's always gonna go on, man. Yeah, they um it's it's really sad and I'll be honest, I'm not super qualified to speak on it, but yeah. um yeah, man, it's it's horrific. It's the, the you know, Palestine's been occupied by Israel, right? They they essentially stole the land and now occupy it and don't provide the same rights to the Palestinians yeah. as they do to Israelis, you know. And a lot of the heritage there, if you look at the Palestinians their heritage has been there for centuries, right? Yeah. You go back centuries for the Israelis, a lot of them came from Europe. Yeah. You know, so that's really the core issue. Is, Does that affect Syria at all? Is it close enough to get affected? I mean, they took some of our land, but we're yeah. like, I'm not going to complain about it when I see, you know, our brothers in, in Palestine fighting for their lives and just yeah. consistently getting bombarded and getting, you know, it's, it's just horrific shit that goes on over there. Like, um, you know, you're never safe if you're in Palestine because yeah. you, there's always the threat of Israel doing something, especially in Gaza or the West Bank or whatever. Yep. Um, so Syria's war was a civil war with in, internally mm-hmm. um, with an oppressive regime that, you know, was killing its own citizens and stuff like that. Yeah. And so my family was greatly affected by that. I had a lot of cousins that were displaced, had to flee the country. Now they're scattered around Europe and stuff. Um, so it's very real. I don't mean... <laughs> Feel bad getting too dark on the podcast, but yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I <laughs> bring think, on comedian. We start talking about war. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I feel kind of bad. I'm like, dude, you brought on this comedian that you're just talking about her being Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was curious, you know what right. I mean? And really, because you know, I, I, 
you know, opportunity doesn't really present itself much to bring exposure yeah. uh, to the things that I think deserve exposure. You know what I mean? I and agree with that. Sometimes the setting isn't right. You know what I mean? And then just sometimes people don't want to talk about it. And then, you know, a lot of people, just the world is so politically driven that that the world gets to like the the major influencers get to decide what gets oh yeah exposed so oh, yeah. it's like i kind of fuck with kanye right now about him just putting out all types of you know crazy ass shit it's yeah. like he's using his platform to expose what he wants to expose you know what i mean so it's like even though this is a microscopic platform compared to all those it's like there's a few people out there that that can have a better understanding of what's going on or just do your own research oh, yeah. you just you know i feel like being a voice sometimes is better than than nothing opposed to it's like yeah let's go out and do something action filled to to try to bring bring some value to different communities and just lives but i think just just being a voice too at the same time and yeah. like putting a putting a light on that is good for just good for people to know and like hear about so that's like i i'm a i'm a huge advocate for just like human equality and like human yeah. love and safety like kind of like a maybe like a hippie vibe i guess like <laughs> you know what i mean whatever you could do whatever the fuck you want just like right. don't hurt nobody it's, yeah it's i think just like don't get in anybody's way you know let, yeah. let people do what they want but i think going on what you said about having a voice and bringing this shit to light you know that's what i try to do with my comedy the first thing i say when i get on stage is my name is zay fozy i'm an arab muslim yeah right um and that's important to me. No matter what stage I'm on, no matter who I'm performing for, I was reading that. It's important to me to make sure that I I'm, I let people know, hey, you know, this is what you're you're about to hear. You're about to hear my story. You're about yeah. to hear what my people go through. You're about to hear, you know, I I always say that my comedy focuses on normalizing the Arab American upbringing. Yeah. Right. I don't feel like, I feel like a lot of times we get a little asterisk next to our American Americanism. Right. Yeah. And so when I go on stage, I really try to bring that culture to life and show the light side of that culture that you don't see on Fox news that you don't see on CNN. Right. Yeah. Cause I always felt like if I can talk about being Arab and Muslim to a non Arab Muslim audience and I can get them to laugh, that means we just found common understanding. Yeah. That means we just found something that we can both agree on. And if we can laugh together, we can talk together. Mm -hmm. If we can talk together, we can understand each other and maybe love each other. Right. Yeah. So that's why, I love doing comedy and I, I try to do comedy for non-Arab Muslims majority of the time yeah. because I feel the opportunity to bring this culture to them to generate that understanding. Do you feel accepted by your culture? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I mean, you're not going to please everybody, right? A lot yeah. of people, in, by, by the very nature of me doing comedy, you're going to have some super conservative people be like, oh, fuck this guy. He's not, he's not yeah. one of us. But the vast majority of the culture embraces me and celebrates me and and shares my stuff and, and follows me and supports me. And so I have love for my Arab culture. I always want to do shows for Arabs, but it's very important to me to break out of that niche yeah. and, and bring these jokes about being Arab and Muslim, which is really just me telling my life story to non-Arabs. Like I did, I was in Kenosha, Wisconsin like two weeks ago. Yeah. And I did 30 minutes for middle-aged white Christian Republicans yeah. and I'm up there talking about 9-11. I'm up there talking about being Arab and Muslim and they're laughing. Yeah. And that was the, that was beautiful. Yeah. What was 9-11 like? You, I'm guessing you're right. It was bad. I'm on a <laughs> yeah. But like, <laughs> it was I'm anti 9-11. Let me, let me make that very clear for the people at home. Anti 9-11. <laughs> so, so, but like with, with 9-11 being, being Arab and growing up in, in, in that, what was that like in your household? I know you said like, you know what I mean? You almost ran yeah. off the road. Someone tried to kill you. So it's like, how did your parents though, like, you know, like yeah. teach you and like explain it to you and like growing up and like reflecting back. And it's like probably still to this day, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. People like probably you know, might, might look weird. Be like, Oh, Oh yeah. I mean, nine 11 shaped the, the upbringing of an entire generation of, of first generation Americans. Yeah. Right. Anybody who was a child of an immigrant from the Middle East, even from India and Pakistan, because white people don't know the difference, right? You now had to be this extra level of awareness, this extra level of understanding. I had to know what a terrorist was yeah. when I was in second grade. Not only did I not have to know what a terrorist was, I had to know that people would think I was one and had to be able to tell people that I wasn't. Yeah. And I had to be able to explain that. That's so weird to be second like grade, eight you know? years old and be like, I'm not a terrorist. Exactly. It's <laughs> like, you know, I, I had to have that uh, that understanding. My parents had to get me ready yeah. early, right, to understand these conversations yeah. and understand this situation. And so, 
you know, I got bullied being called a terrorist, you know, so yeah. many times, bro, being called terrorist or towelhead or other things like just terrible, man. Um, but luckily, my parents made me so proud of who I am, so proud of my culture yeah. that I, I it never shook my my faith and my 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 pride in who I was. You know, I'm the type of person to double down. My mom told me to just fight after school. She's, really? She's, she's fight after I, school. I grew, <laughs> I grew up in a white ass area too. Like we grew up in poverty. I was I'm half black. So like okay. I was like you, you explained that. I was divert like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like N word hard R's a few times. I was like she'd be like, Yeah, just just beat him up after school. Damn, your mom had faith in you that my mom didn't have in me. My mom was like my mom was like, run. <laughs> I mean, I, and and I never really gave a fuck, but but uh I would like if a kid pissed me off, like I'd be like, oh, I'm taking advantage of this. I don't even give a fuck about that word. You could just I, I'm, I'm just being a shit. I'm so jealous of you, bro. I had never, I never been in a fight. I never will be in a fight. I'm telling no, you, it's so stupid. I'd lose, bro. I'd it's lose so every dumb. single time. I've, I've got my shit rocked. I've definitely got my shit rocked. I've rocked, rocked some shits, but I, I think it's humbling. It's, it's good. I think it's necessary for some, some people out there that have ego issues. But sure. But I think at the end of the day, love love is for sure the answer. You Man, I, mean? I just I don't get the point of fighting. Like best case scenario, <laughs> so I hurt you a little bit more than you hurt me. Well, you dude, know? I love watching the UFC. I love fighting. That's, a per- that's different. <laughs> but it's so dumb. It's like like e- like even perceptionally, it, it, people might think, oh, you know, you make the UFC, you make it. It's like I don't act the cost of what, dude. You're getting your head beat in, and like life ex- like when you start to damage your neurological system, sure. you know what I mean? You're talking about shaving, like, it's the fastest a way decade to just... off end. your yeah, life expectancy, bro. It's like, like, to eat, like, I would rather just, like, put a cigarette in every hole and have it just lit up. For real. Like, what do you... <laughs> like, dude, every yeah, day. I can't watch the UFC, man. I, I respect those guys. Those guys are built different. Those guys are warriors. And if the aliens ever come, we send those guys first. I fully yeah. believe that. <laughs> yeah. But, bro, I'm... I'm <laughs> you'll never find me near that shit, bro. I, like... I don't want to get hit, man. Like I, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I take it well. I don't think I fall good. You yes. know, <laughs> like yes. What's your shirt say? It says uh, "Will trade racists for refugees." So low key, if you don't mind me putting a little bit of a plug, I got some yes. friends who um, own a clothing company called Wear the Peace. Yeah, and they make this hat and this hoodie is also available. And it's all about spreading love, spreading positivity, giving yeah. back to different countries across the Middle East. They donate a lot of money to different causes in the middle east yes. um i know these guys they're good guys where can people buy one yeah uh you can buy it at where the peace.com where the peace um they are a, a local chicago um business and is it here. manufactured in chicago too so you're like circulating chicago. money in chicago exactly so, you're supporting chicago and then helping business. out in the middle east also exactly and they you know they're not political they all they do is just want to help people man and the guys who run it are, are incredible they're amazing um, they got a, a bunch of different collections of different hats, different hoodies, t-shirts and all this stuff. I think I buy something from them every week. Like that's they're incredible. Yeah, that's dope. So I, th- I think I wanted to, uh, kind of transition more into as you're graduating high school and going into college, what made you decide on information technology? Um, you know, I actually went in being like sales and marketing was like my original major. Yeah. Cause I was like, I like to talk. Yep. You know, I was like, I like to talk a lot. Um, and then I don't know, man. We there was a couple of these like uh, you know gen eds that we had to take, and one of them was like a Microsoft Excel class, and I just got I was really good at it. And then like we, I took the next level up, and like they introduced some coding aspects, and I was like, oh, I kind of kind of fuck with this. This is really cool. Like, yeah, it, it was. I thought it was so dope that like you could be really creative in your own way. You could find your own way to find the, the right answer. I always hate. I was always a bad test taker because they, they would tell you there's one way to get the right answer. Yeah. And for me, the way my brain works, especially for like multiple choice, they'd be like, pick the right answer. I'm like, I can make an argument for all these choices, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I kind of got into like the coding and things like that, I was like, man, they didn't, nobody gave a shit how you made it work as long as it worked. Make it work, yeah. Yeah, as long as they could hit enter and whatever they needed the answer was gonna pop up, nobody gave a shit. So for me, I was like, I'll fuck with this. I, I, can, I can get good at this. Um, and so I just I just kind of rolled with it and and um, yeah man that was really fun. Now your first comedy show you said you did at eighteen. Do you remember what that was like? Yeah. So um, actually, so I've been performing comedy for like ten years. I started when I was fifteen. I, w- I did speech and debate. Yeah. And I did humorous interpretation. So what it was is like you took a play or a book, you cut it down to like ten minutes, you memorize it, and you perform it as all the characters. Right, okay. you look like you got schizophrenia for a little bit because you're popping yeah. from each character and stuff like that. But you you have to bring the story to life using only your body. Yeah. Right. And so I 
that's when I really realized like, man, I love making people laugh. I love having a big stage presence, being able to make people laugh. Like, and, and I was good at it. Yeah. And it was the first time where I was like, damn, I'm, I think I'm just naturally good at this. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I told you I wasn't good at sports, you know, yeah. like I wasn't like the smartest kid in class or anything like that. This is the first time I was like, I can make people laugh. I can put smiles yeah. on people's faces. And so in the back in high school, I was always kind of watching stand up, listening to stand up, learning. I just learned everything I could about stand up, but I never really had any intention to do it. And then my first week at college, my dorm had like a talent night and some of the guys I had just met as a joke signed me up to do stand up because they knew how much I loved it and how much I talked yeah. about it. Jokes on them, man. I, <laughs> I I had some I had some material written already and I did it and man to, to have people laugh at something that I wrote and it was a story about me, the stories about how I found out I wasn't white in 5th grade. Yeah. Right. And so I wrote this bit and I these people are laughing and I was like, "Damn, this feels good." Yeah. You know, I wrote this and this is my story. And so I was like, "You know what? Let me keep let me keep writing." So the next Next week, we had another talent night. I did more stand-up, you know, and then we had, like, a showcase-type thing. They asked me to perform there. I was like, oh, shit, I, I got this. Like, I can I can be good at this, for, you know. Yeah. It felt like, I felt like at home on stage. It was amazing. Who do you think you look up to most now in comedy? I think it, it, it changes depending on the mindset I'm in. So, right now, I'm watching just a ton of Bill Burr. Yeah, because, that's funny. I brought that up then. Yeah, because I I love his ability to analyze everything. And he's so abrasive with his stand-up, but in a way that he gets you to agree with him. Yeah. Even if you disagree with him, you got to sit back and be like, damn, he's making points. Yes. You know, and I think that that's incredible. And so I'm at a point in my stand-up now where I'm trying to pivot my material to be able to do more social commentary. So I'm, I'm watching a lot of him. I'm watching a lot of Louis C.K. But I would say for me, as far as stage presence goes, as far as, 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 far as my biggest inspiration in comedy... As cliche as it'll sound, and I, I think I have a good reason for it, it's Kevin Hart. Yeah. I mean, this man, people see Kevin Hart now, and they don't know where he started. They they haven't seen him grow. I mean, not literally, but they haven't seen him grow <laughs> to the size that he is, taking shots at Kevin Hart. I know. <laughs> um, but I remember watching his first special. I think it came out in like 2008. I'm a grown little man. Yeah. It was one of the best specials I've ever seen before in my and life. people probably don't realize like 10 years before that, he was probably grinding yeah, out, dude. writing material, doing shows, not getting paid. And, and and I think a lot of people think that just as soon as you make Hollywood, you get paid. I was wa I was watching a documentary on, because I fuck with Marvel movies and DC yeah. movies a lot. And I was uh, watching a documentary on Jason Momoa, I think it is, yeah. the Aquaman dude. The big and dude. he was broke doing Aquaman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he had been in Hollywood for a few years and had like some decent roles and things like that. And it's like people don't realize like overnight success stories are completely false. You know, and yeah, the only overnight happen. success story that you can have is if you inherit wealth. You yeah. know what I mean? That's, yeah. the, that's the only way. Like day one you had it. But yeah. no, man, like Kevin Hart was grinding and he's probably the hardest working man in comedy. Hard he as fuck. he built an empire based on stand up. And so his stage presence. I, I encourage everyone go watch. I'm a grown little man. I don't care how much you got to pay for it. Go watch. it. I own it on DVD. Yeah. Um. And I think his stage presence, the way he brings the stories to life, the way he interacts with his audience, he looks like he's having so much fun. You can't help but smile along with him. And it's so well written. The yeah. It's just killer joke after killer joke after killer joke. And he put out three of those specials in very quick succession he put out i'm a grown little man he put out seriously funny and then he put out laugh of my pain which changed everything yeah laugh of my pain is is really when kevin hart became kevin hart that's another incredible special and so people see him do these massive arenas now they see him do these football stadiums now and maybe the, the quality isn't what it was but we can't forget where he started yeah and so when i watch his old specials and i see his stage presence and he's just talking about his life right his his material so unique to him you can't get that from anybody else that's really what makes him so valuable and that's what really inspires me you know is that yeah. i want to be able to make people laugh and smile just by talking about my upbringing and the crazy crazy things i've been into and the unique experiences i've had um and it's relatable but also you walk away feeling like you learn something about him every time you watch it as you transitioned into sketch comedy, mm -hmm. and that was probably through college? That was in college, yeah. 
what was that like for you? And like, can you think of a favorite favorite one you you ran? Yeah, so I was part of a, a sketch comedy group in, in at Indiana called the University Twits, and I got in. It was like the first thing I joined when I got into college. And my dad was he was like, "What are you doing? I sent you to business school. Why are you joining this comedy group?" But yeah. Um, that I had a really good group of mentors. When I joined the group, there was a lot of you know juniors and seniors in there, and there was like ten of us, and they really taught me how to write comedy. They taught me how to think of like when you think of a sketch, right? Your sketches you have to be able to tell like a full story in like three four minutes, right? And so you got to find the game. What's going to be funny about the sketch, right? You got to find how to build the game. How do you raise the stakes each step of the way, right? How do you develop a character super quickly? It teaches you how to write. Um, and so, you know, thinking back, I'm trying to think about like my favorite sketch I was in. I had one. It was nonsense. I, I'm, I'm known for that in, in, in sketch, like amongst in, in my in my friend group was like, I love just kind of like messing with the audience and making them think I'm going to go left and going right or whatever. So I wrote the sketch called Boogie Down from Downtown. And it was just like, it started out like an empty on stage. You see like three people looking real sad and depressed. And then I walk in in this ridiculous outfit. And I was like, hey, are you sad, depressed, still getting over your mother's death? I was like, say no more. I was like, my name is Boogie Down from downtown, and this is how I feel. And I just break into this, like, ridiculous dance and cure everybody's depression. And then, like, I did this throughout the show, like, two more times. Like, the second time, it was, like, a war happening. And I stopped the war. And I made the two sides come together because I was, like, dancing. And then the last one was, like, an empty stage. And then I kind of, like, fizzle out. And then, you know, two people come on stage. And they're like, and that's his story. And the other person's like, Clyde, I don't think you know what the boogeyman is. And like, that's the end. And so it's just like a, I don't know. I, I had so much fun because it was just a completely ridiculous idea. And it's it's tough to explain in, in person. But, um, you know, I had this idea and I was able to bring it to life. And, and that, that was probably my favorite thing. It was just so ridiculous. It was so stupid. <laughs> that's hilarious. So as, as you go through college, what was college like for you? Did anything stand out to you that was like a favorite memory or? College was tough, pivotal. man. College was tough because I, I went away from home. I didn't know anybody when I got there and just had like an identity crisis, right? I tried, you know, I I didn't know who I wanted to be. I didn't know who I was. And so I tried a bunch of different things, right? I, I was the party guy for a while and I, I realized that's not who I want to be. And I, I tried to join the Muslim Student Association, but had some trouble there because they looked at me differently because my mom's white right and uh, we don't know yeah there is like it you know i like to joke around say i got excommunicated from the muslim student association <laughs> like it was ridiculous man people people treated me kind of like shit there <laughs> and so and then my mental health just crumbled in college i mean that's yeah. really when i identified i was like damn I, I have some struggles here that i need help with and yeah um you know that got really bad my mental health was horrific like my senior year um and so college was a struggle college was you know, a lot of trials for me to really figure out who I want to be. Would you say your college career was probably the hardest adversity you've had to overcome in your life? Probably, probably just because I had to overcome myself. Yeah. I didn't know who I was and I didn't love myself. Yeah. And that's, that's tough, man. Cause you, you can't, until you figure out who you are, until you are able to love who you are, you really can't move forward in life. Yeah. You're always going to get in your own way. Completely agree. You know, so for me, Really, it's only been over the last maybe year since I've really dove back into stand-up and really gave my all to it that I've really learned what it means to love yourself. Yeah. And to, to clarify, I think loving yourself isn't thinking you're the shit. It's not thinking like, oh, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm the coolest dude out here. It's, it's, it, that's self-interest, right? That's self-infatuation. Loving yourself is, you know, Loving yourself as if you love somebody else, wanting what's best for yourself, putting yourself in position to be happy. And what that looks like is taking care of yourself, right? Like making sure I, I make sure I eat healthy. You know, I go to the gym, right? Take care of my body and then take care of your mentals. I started going to therapy, you know, processing the shit that I struggled with, the bullying growing up, the trials and tribulations in college, you know, going to therapy, taking care of the mentals and then surrounding myself with good people. I didn't have good people in my life when I was in college. And now 
you know, I have a very tight circle, but it's full of people of like-minded people who respect each other, love each other, raise each other up. So when you love yourself, it's, it's just putting yourself in those positions to be successful. And once I really realized that, everything changed for me, man. And now I just feel like I have purpose every day, right? And that doesn't mean I don't struggle, but I really feel like, okay, I, I know who I am. I know who I want to be. And I, and I love myself for the process. Like, it's time to go to work now. You know, I feel like I'm in, I'm in a position to succeed. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the biggest philosophies we teach here. You know, it's just we, we kind of abbreviate it into MBS, mind, body, and spirit. And yep. it's just taking care of your mind, your body, and your spirit on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You're not going to pour from an empty cup right. and uh, attempt to fill others, you know. So I think it's crucial, you know, when people kind of oh, yeah. get a grasp on themselves and realize, like, I can really change other lives by changing first my life and impacting my life so that I can in turn impact others. It all starts with, are you loving yourself and how do you perceive yourself and do you find value in you? And it's just one day at a time doing what you can. Yeah. I think it's important that, you know, if you want to help other people, like you said, you got to start with yourself because for me, I'm at peace for the first time in my life, I'm at peace with who I am and, and what I'm trying to be. And what that allows me to do is it allows me to help celebrate and support other people in their success, right? Because mm -hmm. if if you are feeling like other people's successes is inhibiting your ability to have success, you got a problem, right? Because that's just not how the world works, right? You know, I'm able to see my friends who are comedians be successful in things I want to be successful in. And rather being like, damn, why why are they getting that? Not me. I could be like, man, good for them. I know how hard they work to get there. Yep. I'm, I'm going to get there too. I'm going to do that too. Um, and it, you turn from worrying about what other people are doing to being inspired by what other people are doing. Yes. And hoping to inspire others. Yes. So as you complete college, you get into private equity consulting. Yeah. Right? And so how has that experience been for two and a half years now it's been cool man i mean it's a, it's a cool job it's a cool day job i like the company i work for everybody's very supportive of stand-up as well which is huge and that's not common in in business right it's like yeah you keep your personal life kind of quiet especially something like that but those people that come to my shows you yeah, know they follow dope. me and they come to my shows and stuff um it taught me to be an adult you know like i have to go to work i'm have responsibilities at work i have things i have to get done stay on a schedule you know um, it definitely makes comedy tough because I work, I don't work a nine to five, right? I work like 10, 12 hour days sometimes. Yeah. And then as soon as I'm done with that job, it's like, all right, let's go to the gym. Let's eat. Now I got to go do a show. Now I got to go do an open mic. Now I got to go film the sketch. I got to edit a video, you know? Um, so it's been challenging, but I think it, it just keeps me in that grind mindset. What's your routine for creating content? Uh, whether that be your writing or whatever it might be for creating and producing new content. What's that look like for you? Yeah. So I think, um, I'm still working on getting like a, 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 a repeatable process. Cause right now it's like, I'll, I'll do a lot of creations and then that'll, that'll give me some time to focus on other things. And then I'll get back in the creative mindset and I'll do a lot of, I'll, I'll write a lot of content. When do you feel stuff. like you're your most creative? I think I'm a most creative when that's a, that's a great question. You stumped me a little bit. I think I'm most creative when I'm, I'm able to just focus on, on my routine, which is like when I'm eating healthy, when I'm able to get to the gym on a regular basis, when I'm, when I kind of have my, my routine, your down. systems feel in check. Yeah. When all my systems feel in check and I'm not out of balance, yeah. I feel like, all right, I can kind of go like muscle memory almost now mm -hmm. and which allows my brain to kind of process a little bit more and keep going. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like I had like a, a big run of shows over the last like two months, like big shows for me. And so I was just so focused and locked in on getting my material ready for those shows that I, I wasn't really writing the material because I really wanted to hone in on what I was doing. Right. Now that those shows have kind of passed and I have a little bit of a lull where I have kind of lower pressure shows and I'm just going, going to open mics. I feel like I kind of had the freedom now to start playing around with new material and start playing around with new concepts and things like that. Yes. Now up until this point, what's your favorite memory in life? My favorite memory in life. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily favorite, but it's, it's, it's a recent memory that, that I really cherish is, um, you know, in January, 
I, I'm part of a, of a stand-up comedy group called Terminal 5 Comedy. Yeah. Six comedians. All of us are Muslim in our mid-20s pursuing comedy. We love it. Um, we decided to produce our own show in January out in Oak Park. And we rented out a theater. And we sold out the theater, like 210 seats. Damn. You know, uh, a lot of people that we don't know. But um, this this group had been together for a while. I'm the newest member. And so they let me headline. I closed the show. I did like 25 minutes of the show. And this beautiful theater, it was, it was amazing. And I had my, my entire immediate family in the audience. My, my mom and dad came from Dayton. My sister came from Indiana. My brother, came, my brother and his wife came from D.C. My cousin came from Columbus. My best friend came by his girlfriend. And they were all there to support me. And it was just this beautiful moment where I got to go do what I love for the people that I love. And it was the first time all those people were in one room watching me do comedy. Yeah. And it was just, it was amazing, man. Like being on that stage for that 25 minutes was like, if that's the highlight of my career, like, you know, that's sad, but it, it's, it's also like, I, I can live with that because yeah. it was just such a beautiful moment for me. It was like, damn, all these people are here to, to support me in my dream. Like, how do you not feel grateful? How do you not feel humbled in that, in that moment? So for me, that's maybe it's just because it happened so recently, but that that's definitely one of the, the highlights of my life. Now, do you have, and you don't have to share it, do you have a favorite bit up until this point? I do. I have a favorite bit. Um, I will I will never release it online until my my first special because okay. I just love it so much. But okay. I can tell you the name. It's called Nasser's Meat Shop. What is it? Nasser's Meat Shop. Nasser's Meat Shop. And I can just, I'll give you the intro. Basically, Nasser's Meat Shop was a local Arab butcher okay. that I grew up going to. Okay. And there's just, there was just no health codes at this place. Like, <laughs> I can't wait to hear just, this. So uh, when, when you drop your first special, dude, I need this sent to me. I got you. I can tell you off air. I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you it off air. I'll show you. Dope. Um, I'll give you a little preview. But um, yeah, I'm just holding on to this bit. I, I do it. It's my it's my closer right now. Yeah. Um, you get you get is that like you get the do you get the best reaction from your favorite? Also. I get the best reaction and the most consistent reaction. Okay. It's a good joke. Like, yeah. I feel comfortable saying that. It's a good joke. <laughs> this one's a good joke. Yeah, because a lot of it's true. There's a big part of it that's true. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you you can exaggerate a little bit. But that, yeah, the Nostrum Meat Shop bit. Yeah. If, if anybody who's listening to this comes and sees me, the Nostrum Meat Shop bit, I will do it at that show. Yeah. You'll. Uh, now, how do you get people bit. not to record? I mean, that's when I went to the Rogan show, I had to put my phone in a yeah. fucking like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude i actually got it out you did <laughs> yeah i felt horrible i was like the gods of comedy are gonna strike me down no nah, i was, mean it was literally like a prison wallet thing that they had us like oh really they had us put our it was like magnetized that's interesting and you could and you you had to get you had to go through security or whatever to get out and i was like i didn't bring a phone in oh when I, when I, that's smart that's a smart way to get out of it i think I mean, I don't necessarily worry about it. Most of the clubs we go to pretty respectful. are very respectful. Most of the audiences I perform for are very respectful. Yeah. Plus, like, you know, I got a couple thousand followers on Instagram. I know nobody's like, no one's going to leak my material. You yeah. know, not yet. I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, but it's just important to, to, not, to not record because, you know, especially where I'm at in comedy, my material is always growing. It's always changing. It's yeah. always developing. Because I'm developing, I'm becoming, I'm getting better and better, and so I don't want someone to record me from a joke two years ago that in three years is going to be ten times the joke it was two years ago. But somebody already dropped that online, and so now I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And you know, headliners and and successful comedians, they don't want people recording because a lot of times they're going to work on their joke in an effort to get to a special, right? And they don't want to burn that material early because somebody drops it you know, yeah. online on Twitter or YouTube or whatever. That happened to Louis C.K. when he was trying to make his comeback. Um, somebody recorded his set that he was working out new material and just released it online. And it was it was a rough set. He was still working through it and there were some offensive jokes and he got canceled again. You know? And it was just like it was like, man, this this guy he can't catch a break. I mean <laughs> That's fucking if he stopped jacking off in front of women, that'd be a solution. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a great place to start. So, what are some passions outside of you know everything you got going on in your life right now with with work and comedy? Do you have passions outside of those? Oh yeah. So I, I we were kind of talking about before. I'm I'm very into health and fitness. Yeah. I'm very into working out and lifting and trying to get the most out of my body and seeing what I can push myself to do. What do you like doing right now for your for your diet and for for your workouts? 
Yeah, so for my workouts, I kind of do a four-day split where I do uh, chest and tries, back and buys, um, legs, and then I'll do like a shoulder day that's also got a lot of core and cardio mixed in as well. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at there. Um, and then diet-wise, you know, I tried to get into the whole measuring thing, and I was just like, I can't. Yeah. I was like, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, just, you get so, hungry. Yeah, so I, I respect people who can do it. For me now, I just kind of, I, I, I cook a lot of my own food. Yep. I eat a lot of whole foods, you know, so I, I try not to get anything processed. Yeah, same. You know, I try to make all the food that I'm going to, you know, I'll get the I'll get the chicken, I'll get the rice, I'll get the vegetables, put it all together and stuff like yep. that. Um, so diet-wise, that's kind of what I do. Um, Unless I get that shawarma today. Hey, there you I'm go. I'm running, I, I got one, after this I'm going to hit a salmon and rice, but uh, my, my assistant's not here, so I'm going to. She gets back. She does my meals, so she'll measure. Okay. She measures everything out. Oh, that's she does nice. all the measuring and all that shit. And I was like, I just started to like really extensively get into the yeah. dieting outside of what, us being young, and if we wanted to, probably eat whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, it's still look fine. But uh, I feel great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like four or five months into like just really trying to avoid all processed foods and really just I have a nutritionist. I just follow what what he says to to the best of my ability. That's helpful. That's really yeah. helpful. Yeah, because I was in this place. I told you we had that show in January. And so leading up to that show, literally every night I was hitting open mics, hitting open ice, just going, going I had the competition at Zany's the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So I'm just going, going like. I got out of my routine. I, I was not eating healthy. I was eating out a lot. I was and eating sleep late. sleep is vital too. Like, I wasn't getting any sleep. Yeah. yeah sleep and is so huge. I like kind of everything. Felt, yeah. I kind of felt sluggish. I kind of didn't feel good. So the last few weeks, man, I've just completely revamped my diet. I've yep. been cooking again. I've been meal prepping. I've, I've been yep. doing some measuring and stuff like that. Very careful about what I put in my body. And I feel much better now, man. Just like mentally feel way more clear. Yep. I just feel lighter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It feels good. What about anything outside of health and fitness? Is there anything else you like doing for fun or? Yeah, so um, you know, I'm I'm a pretty devout Muslim. Yeah, I'm pretty into my faith. I I think that that's a really cool. It works what, for what me. What are some cool aspects of of like the Muslim faith? Yeah, I think because some days I'll see like there's a there's a building literally right down the road, and I'll see uh, what's what's the outfit. Uh, there's a couple different ones, but like the most traditional ones, it's called the Galabiya. A Galabiya? Am I saying Galibia. right? You were very close, honestly. I'm not going to try it again. No. You can if you want. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, It's called the Punjabi, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I said, I was like, oh, dude, I just said the Muslim N word. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Oh, man. I got no comment. You know what really pissed me off, though? When I was growing up, people would call me a sand N word. Yeah. And I was just like, this is lack creativity, man. Dude. You can't just take one slur, add another racist <laughs> adjective. Like, how are you putting an adverb on the N-word, bro? Like, <laughs> dude, dude, I, I, I would all, I would laugh. I'd be like, this is so, like, well, I kind of laugh at both sides. Like, I kind of laugh at, like, white people or just, well, I guess just racist people for, for thinking, like, a word was yeah. offensive. And then I kind of laugh at, like, my black side. I'm like, why the fuck are we responding or re reacting? Sure to to a word i'm like i don't give a fuck dude but it's 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 hilarious but so some days i'll see like like uh they'll they'll just like walk you know what i mean like, yeah i think they might just be an air that's not necessarily a thing but for the, us, it's but like a, like it's like a bunch you know a what bunch I mean? of them yeah it's like a bunch and a walking they group. Walk, I don't, like, like a lit. circle around the uh, and like sometimes it will be pol like police blocked off you know oh. what I mean? around their building so, oh, I so that's probably a like, mosque it's probably is it, is it on fridays it could be. It's I never probably, look at the specific day. Yeah. And I'm like, so Fridays is like our holy day, right? So it's like the okay. same way Christians ha go, go to church on Sunday. We go to the mosque on Fridays. Um, and you kind of ask what are the, some of the cooler parts about Islam? And so, you know, I think it's a very misunderstood religion. It's a misrepresented religion. They're all very similar. It's based around love. It right? is. So Islam means peace in Arabic. Yeah. That's what it is. Right. And Muslim means someone who submits. Right. So if you're a Muslim, you submit to peace. Mm -hmm. Right. You submit to God. Right. And I think Islam is a religion of love. Islam is a religion of peace. And it's basically a structure on how to live your life in a way to avoid trouble and avoid conflict and avoid, you know, hardship. And so a lot of that people look at it as, oh, this this religion's super restrictive, right? You can't drink, you can't do this, you can't eat pork, you can't whatever. And it's like, yeah, if you focus on that stuff, it might seem restrictive, but I don't look at it as I'm not allowed to. I look at it as I'm free from those things, right? Yeah. You know, I don't, let me be very clear when I say this, that my religion works for me and I would never dare tell anybody else what works for them. 
So, you know, I don't want anyone feeling like I'm preaching here, but you know, I don't drink. Um, I have in the past. Yeah. I used, I told you I had my party phase. I kind of came out of that and I feel free from it. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't worry about mistakes I'll make when I'm drunk. Right. How many times, how many guys or people do we know who like we, once that guy drinks, it's, that guy's gonna, he's a liability now. You know, we, <laughs> yeah. we all have that one friend, right? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's, I'm free from being that guy. I, I know I don't have to worry about that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in Islam, you're supposed to take care of yourself. It's it's very important that you take care of your parents and you respect your family. Um, and then the, the most important thing is just being thankful for what you have, mm-hmm. right? So we pray five times a day. Yeah. Is that pr- every day? Every day, five times a day. Early yeah. in the morning, uh, we have like an early, late morning, early afternoon prayer. We have like a mid-afternoon prayer, a sunset prayer, and then an evening prayer. Do you prayer. set an alarm? Yeah, so there's like um, very – because it's all based on like the sun and the moon and everything. Yeah. Um, there's like specific times. So literally it would be at like 8.53 or whatever, right? Like um, I think the morning prayer this morning was at like 6.45 in the morning. I want to say some, something around that time. So who is in charge of letting everyone know like, hey, here's what time our prayers are So. I mean, in the old times, you had have people like watch the sun or watch the moon or whatever. Yeah. Now we got satellites who do that. That do that shit for us. Do you have like an app that's like? Hey, yeah. So I use an dope. app called Muslim Pro. That's dope. Um, I'm pretty sure they're stealing my data. I read something about it the other day, but it's okay. It's for Sorry. God. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the data for God. I'm I'm open for. I've been thinking that all the time. I'm like, I don't care what my phone sees. Oh, yeah, but just take it all, bro. That's what <laughs> people were like, thinking. Like they put a, you know <laughs> microchips in the vaccine. Yeah, I'm like, bro, we got microchips in our pocket, bro. Like, yeah. I'm not worried about it. Um. What is the praying towards the sun or away from the sun? What what is yeah. that? Yeah, so we pray towards uh, the structure called the Kaaba, and it's like a, it's a location in Mecca, Saudi Arabia. I was gonna ask Mecca. Yeah, so we pray towards Mecca. It's the most holy city in the Muslim religion. It was the home of the Prophet alayhi salam, and so um, you know we pray towards that. It allows all Muslims to to pray towards a single object, which allows us to kind of have a little bit more unity. Yeah. Right. Um, the beauty of Islam, as opposed to maybe some other religions, and I'm not a scholar by any means, but, um, is that it's a very personal relationship you get with God, mm-hmm. right? I can pray in my house alone to God, right? This direct line of communication is always open and it's always there. I don't have to go through anybody else. I don't have to worry about anybody else. Mm-hmm. I have my own relationship with God to the point where like, you know, my mom used to always say, you know, when I was very young, she used to be hard on me. Make sure you pray, make sure you pray, make sure you pray. But now she's like, this is, you're an adult. This is between you and God. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a very beautiful sentiment that I don't really worry what anybody else thinks about me and my religion. Cause it's, it's between me and me and the big guy, you know, like, yeah, we, as long as I feel at peace with him, I don't have to worry about anything. Now else. is Islam also one God like Christianity? Yeah. Single God. It's, you know, the same as Judaism and, and Christianity. It's, it's an Abrahamic religion. Okay. And so with that, for the best of my understanding was you said there was a prophet. So is it similar? To, I've read like micro, like bits and pieces of yeah. the Quran. Like I've, it was required. And, uh, I took a, a religious class in, in high school. Like mm-hmm. we had to read different, like, I think we read like, I don't know what school I went to, but and I you didn't read, see like, the light. You weren't converted. Some, some of the, <laughs> I think we read like some Satanists. Some back alley school. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's, I don't. I don't want to get too deep into the history of the religion because I'm afraid I'm going to fuck it up, and I don't want to yeah. spread any false information. But yeah, we have, uh, you know, in the same way that that Jesus was a prophet, right? Where God spoke to Jesus. Yeah. We don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Yeah. We believe he was just a prophet. Yep. Um, and he's very highly regarded and very highly respected in the Muslim religion. By the way, yeah. Jesus is a big part of the Muslim religion. But in the same way, he had that. We also believe that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was. A, a messenger of God as well. Yeah. Um, and he brought kind of like the final message to the people. Um, and so we kind of follow the, the Quran is, is, you know, written by God. It is God's word, right? It's not, I know that like the Bible to the best of my understanding is like a collection of stories from other people and things like yeah. that. Whereas the Quran is, we believe that to be the word of God, okay. that no man has written that. Yeah. Right. It was presented and it's, and it's, in its form, just in its from, form. directly from God. Yeah, and so if you look at like the history of the, of the Quran, it's never been changed. Yeah. Right? It's the same. It's consistent. So that's big for us. And then we also kind of follow alongside that the teachings of the Prophet and the lifestyle of the Prophet. To the best of your knowledge, because a lot of people I think sometimes make the, they have the misconception and just make an assumpt, assumptive guess that 
you know, the Quran basically just tells people to just go out and just start blowing shit up. That's not. <laughs> Does it say it anywhere? Does that no, say it anywhere? I mean, <laughs> for, for everybody I can, out there that I can confirm the Quran does not ever say to blow anything up. <laughs> if they don't ever. believe. If, <laughs> no, the because uh, I remember like I that'd be remember, crazy if it did yeah, though. That'd I be insane. Being, like I remember being in school and like just being younger and people just being like, you know, just just Islam is like an aggressive religion. And, and as I got older and I read bits and pieces of the Quran and I started having conversations and asking yeah. for myself and I was like, oh, these are all pretty much. <laughs> Same. I mean, yeah, these it, are pretty similar. Islam's actually a pretty chill religion, man. People yeah, it's just don't. Pretty, it's pretty don't peaceful. Understand. It's actually pretty much the opposite of what the oh, fuck yeah. you guys are saying. There's a there's a saying in the Quran, and I'm gonna butcher this, so you know we'll put you know parentheses around this. But uh, you know, to to take one life is as if you've killed all of humanity. But yeah. to save one life is as if you've saved all humanity. Yeah. You know, Love taking that. care of people is part of Islam. It's part of the religion. It's part of the culture. Yeah. And so, you know, really what's going on in, with these extremists over overseas and stuff like that is, you know, they're taking advantage of people who lack formal education, who are in desperate need of finances for their family, food for their family. And they're brainwashing them into thinking that extremism is, is the right path. Right. Yeah. And that's not, that's just not a thing. Islam is a religion of peace. I mean, you, you don't, you don't kill in the name of Islam, right? That, yeah. That just doesn't happen. Um, which is crazy because we talked about this earlier. Like, I had to know this stuff when I was in second grade. I had to be able to have this conversation when I was in second grade. Yeah. And that's that's how drastic the misunderstanding of my of my religion is in this country. Now, what does Allah reference? Would that be God? Yeah, Allah is just the Arabic word for God. Okay. In the same way, I think, like, what is Dios? Is God in Spanish? Okay. You, just, you, you can just say Dios in the name of Dios, and that's the same thing. Okay. Now, assalamu alaikum. What? May peace be with you. Now, and what do people respond? Wa alaikum assalam, and, and may peace be with you. Okay. And is that Middle Eastern? Assalamu alaikum? I mean, that's Arabic, but it's Arabic. it's okay, it it's Arabic. used primarily in the Muslim religion. But that's, I mean, that's how you greet people. Assalamu alaikum. The, the first thing you say to another Muslim is, hey, may, may peace be with you. Yeah. You know. Would you, uh, so do you think you'll ever make a trip to Mecca? I have. You have? Yeah. My dad and I went in 2008, 2017. My dad and I went together to Mecca. How was that? I mean, it was incredible, man. It was like the most beautiful experience of my life. Like my dad and I went to Mecca, which is, you know, the, like the, the holy city in, 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 in the Muslim religion. We spent a few days there. Now are you bilingual? Were you able to like communicate? I'm not bilingual. So okay. that's, that's one thing that gets me in trouble with a lot of Arabs is that I don't speak Arabic fully. Okay. Um, but it was just cause my mom didn't speak it. My dad worked, my dad's a doctor. So he was always working. Yep. Right. So my mom, she wasn't able to teach us. She did her best, but she wasn't able to teach us. Yeah. Um, your mom can speak it. She can understand it now. Now, do you think you'll ever pursue like completely being able to? One hundred percent. That's a goal of mine, man. Like okay. it's, I think it's it's critical to learn. I want to be able to speak to my family. I I I want to be able to do a comedy special in Arabic. Yeah. I want to be able to go to the Middle East and perform in Arabic. That yeah. is that would be a dream come true of mine. That Dubai money. That Dubai money, baby. <laughs> that's that's what we're chasing, man. Dude, they sell license plates in Dubai for like billions. Man, the, man. the 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 well the well <laughs> I watch I watch a lot of documentaries. So well status over there is to have the least amount of numbers on your license plate. So like your license plate be like number one. So the dude who had number one is just like yeah, it's like an eight billion dollar license plate. Jesus Christ, absolutely, it's insane. It's, just, it's insane. Spend absolutely your money on insane. other things, bro. Like, do you yeah. know how? Do you, do you know what kind of position you got to be financially to be like I got I got the number three license plate? Yeah. Like, why bro like it's a it's an extreme like it's an extremely important like it's almost like a relevance thing as well like people like won't like entertain you if you don't have a lower number I'm of never license. going to that fucking country bro <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck <that> shit. <laughs> hey buddy i'm not fucking talking to you I'm you got that high number of like bro plate. you got 101 that's your <laughs> license plate get the fuck out of here bro hilarious um i wanted to ask i love movies okay. do you have a favorite movie favorite movie I got a few favorite movies. I'm a big movie buff. I like watch a lot of movies. Yep. Um, I think obviously as stereotypical as it is, The Dark Knight. Yeah. Great, great movie. A Few Good Men, I think, is one of the best movies ever made, dude. A few good men. It's got Tom Cruise. He plays like a, a lawyer. It's just like the acting in it is so 
it's incredible, man. That movie's incredible. Um, and there's an old movie, older movie with a young, young Patrick Dempsey called "Can't Buy Me Love." And here's the thing: I'm a, I'm an emotional guy. I'm a sucker for a good rom com. Yeah. So I I love this movie, "Can't Buy Me Love." It's yeah. got Patrick Dempsey was like maybe 18 when he played in it, bro. Damn. It's like I think it's made in the 80s. It's I I cry every time I watch it. I cry. Now, do you have any favorite books? Favorite books. Um, yeah, I, uh, one of my favorite books that I read, it's a very short book. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, Russ. I don't know if you, he's a hip hop artist. I don't know if you know Russ, but he wrote a book yeah. called, yeah, Russ. yeah, um, it's all in your head. And basically he just kind of tells his story about, you know, his whole thing is do it yourself, right? He was kind of gate kept out of a lot of the hip hop industry and things like that. Yeah. So he said, fuck it. I'm going to go put out my own songs on SoundCloud. I'm going to drop a song every single week till I blow up. I'm going to do it myself. And so he has this whole thing about in the book about being almost delusional in your self-belief. Yep. And that in order to be successful, you have to convince yourself that it is the only outcome that is possible of happening. Absolutely. And so I've really adopted that mindset. And he's like, you got to learn how to do everything yourself. No right? plan B. Yeah, no plan B. And you got to learn how to do everything yourself. You know, he does his mix, mastering, engineering, you know, yes. writes all of his music. So for me, it's like, okay, how do I apply that to my passion? All right, well, I'm going to I buy myself a camera. I'm going to record all my own sets. I'm going to edit all my own sets. I'll, I'm going to manage all my own social media. I'm going to drop all that stuff. I'm, I'm, you know, he's got a line that says, uh, I'd be playing coach. I'd be playing owner. I'd be playing fan and I play promoter. And it's just like, I think that's such a good message to have when you're you young and hungry and, yeah. and going for something. Cause it's like, man, I'm my number one best you know, number one fan. I have to be my number one fan. Absolutely. Because if I don't think I'm funny, why the hell would I expect anybody else to think I'm funny? Absolutely. If I don't think I deserve to make it, why should anybody else think I deserve to make it? Yep. And it's not a cockiness. It's just this this confidence that you can have in yourself that's yep. like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. Whatever it takes, you know. Absolutely. What's your future vision for you? I think, um, you know, I, I've always said that you know, when I die, I want it written on my on my tombstone that Zaid put smiles on people's faces. Yeah. And that's all I want. And I want to make a living doing that. Yeah. I want to be able to tell a story. I want to be able to make people happy. I want to be able to make people think. So for me, you know, the dream, right, the, t the, the tangible dream is I want to perform stand-up full-time. I want to make specials. I want to be an actor, right, Mo you know, be in movies. I want to be a writer. That's what I want to be. But the macro level, I just want to... I just want to be able to spread positivity. I just yeah. want to be able to spread laughter. And I and I especially want to be able to do that representing my culture and my religion. Yep. Because it's so misinterpreted, it's so misunderstood across the world that like you know, I want the next generation to be able to be like feel normal growing up. Yeah. Right? I want to normalize this shit. I don't want people to feel like there's an asterisk to it. And the, you know, I'm very aware that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. There are people who have Already done this in comedy, right? Maz Jobrani is an Iranian comedian. Who's just... Joe Rogan literally just dropped an episode as you were pulling up. It's uh, this guy. I was actually about to start listening to it. Uh, Majid Nawaz. I don't know who that is, actually. Well, it said uh, Majid Nawaz is a former Islamist turned counter-extremism activist. So, I don't know. But it just the diversification on... Uh, publicity you know what I mean on just yeah. people getting out there and, and putting again like we open up with just a voice out there of like for me like I, I get tired of old shit I want to hear new shit I want to hear from different yeah. corners of the earth and I want to hear what's your perspective on the world and how we treat people yeah man what's I, your religion what do you eat what do you think like exactly I, I'm, I'm the first generation of American Arab Americans to grow up in a post 9-11 America. Yeah. Right? I was four years old when 9-11 happened. Yeah. My entire childhood took place after 9-11. I'm the first generation that that happened to. Yeah. And so I'm in this, my generation of, of people is in this really- Did parents ever say their kids couldn't play with you? You know what I mean? Like Not those words directly. I'm sure like there to, was- To like, ah, oh, no, you're not playing with them. I had girls who couldn't date me, for sure. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had girls <laughs> That's who- That's mixed life, dog. Yeah, they couldn't, they just couldn't. 
I remember I had one girl in high school was like, how would I explain to my kids that I did it a Muslim? I was like, bro, what are you, I was like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, I'm just trying to make out after school. What are you, what are you doing? I was like, why are you worried about this, bro? So relax, first of all. Like, my dad said I can't talk to you. I know. Fuck your dad. No, yeah, there are girls. I remember, like, you know, the girls couldn't date me. That was like, that was, that was really the only thing. I don't think any parents were that concerned. But... Uh, parents hated me <laughs> hey i mean i was a dork i didn't pose a threat at all i oh, wasn't getting some in high no, school dude, bro there's no, nobody <laughs> nobody bro i found out people were fucking in high school like at the end of high school when people were like oh, i was like hooking up with them. i was like you, we've been doing this like what <laughs> bro like this is i've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh after school what's going on bro dude dragon ball z was slept on did you ever get into dude, dragon ball z was the shit bro they spent six down. episodes powering up huh? like every yeah. bro like, <laughs> Dragon Ball Z is the shit, bro. Um, man, that's we got a good hour in. Yeah. Anything you want to shout out? We brought some attention to we are the peace. Right? Now we're the peace. Yeah. We're the peace. We're the peace. Yeah, just a few shout outs. Follow me on Instagram at Zade Fozy, Zade Fozy, and also Terminal Five Comedy. Um, so any sh- any up and coming shows we can. We should stay tuned for. Uh, I don't know when this is dropping, but <sighs> fuck yeah, you're right, dude. So I don't know. This I don't want to say like something. We're like 20 episodes out. This, yeah, this will be a month and a half, two months maybe. Okay. We gotta we gotta buy another piece of equipment. Which, uh, maybe, well, hey, maybe we'll increase our rate of dropping. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Depending on when this comes out, um, my we're, we're Terminal Five is working on another show, the same type of thing we did in January at yeah. a theater. We're planning to do another one in May. Dope. So we're working towards that. So if this comes out any time before May. Um, should come out like probably March, April. Probably April. April. I would imagine this would drop April. And my birthday is April twenty first. So if you want to drop it on my birthday, yeah, we could we can put a note in to try to have it drop before April twenty first. I'll tell um, Sarah. But yeah, we'll 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 be putting together another show in you know mid May, late May. We haven't finalized logistics at all. Um, we're still kind of working on that, but um, I'm sure I'll have some stuff coming. I'm hosting at Zany's uh, May thirteenth and fourteenth. Zany's downtown in Old Town. Dope. I'll be hosting that weekend four shows. Dope. So come see me there. Um, but yeah, follow me and I appreciate you having me, man. This yeah, is dope. This I like was it dope, a lot. brother. Thank yeah. you for coming on, Zed. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Just-